Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. So we're discussing Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. The Paramatma Sandarbha is basically deals with three subject matters. Paramatma himself, his manifestation, expansion as the Tatasta Shakti, which is ourselves, and his manifestation of the material creation, Bahiranga Shakti. So we're now in the section of the Tatasta Shakti, the Jiva Shakti. Sri Jiva Goswami begins discussing the Jiva by quoting a verse by Jamatri Muni. And we've gone over the significance of why he quoted this particular verse. That being the fact that the verse deals with, it brings out the fact that the nature of the jiva ourselves has the capacity to know, has an agency to utilize that knowledge capacity, and has an experiential capacity. In this section, dealing with the jiva, the nature of the jiva, Jiva Goswami is discussing 21 characteristics. And to, to this point, we've discussed uh, the first five of them. And this evening's discussion will deal with the fifth. So the ones we've already covered is first an understanding that the jiva, although appearing in many forms within the material manifestation, simply stated he's not a god, he's not a human, and he's actually no other species of life. So he's distinct from everything that we characterize as a jiva within the material energy of the Supreme. The second characteristic is the jiva, our true self, our essence, our spiritual essence, is truly distinct from the body, the senses, and the mind. And anything else that we may associate ourselves as being within the material manifestation. The jiva is not inert. We're not matter. The jiva is not matter. Although in that section discussing it, there are some logicians who, who state that the, the nature of consciousness, which is the state of our awareness of existence, actually comes about simply through a manifestation of matter. You put matter together in a certain conglomeration and all of a sudden, poof, some matter is a, has awareness and other matter doesn't. It's kind of a, you know, and of course the, the, the other side of it goes with that kind of a conception regarding the nature of being. The other side of it, when the matter 
wraps up, poof, that consciousness leaves and the soul is gone forever. You're done with, finished. You're nothing. So Jiva Goswami and the commentator, we're studying from the presentation of the Sundarbhas by Sachin Das Babaji, they go into some of these other ideas regarding the different logical presentations that are there in human society regarding the nature of the soul. Specifically, the commentator went into them to use them as what we call purvapaksha, the opponent's position. In order to properly present, present your position, you should know all the opponent's positions and in knowing and presenting them first in a logical discussion, then you can defeat them with your position and establish what we call your siddhanta. So a siddhanta is established by basically defeating all others. So we have a, we follow a sampradaya. We follow a, a lineage of teachers who we have a certain present presentation of siddhanta, and our our siddhanta is based on the Veda, and our specific presentation of the Veda embraces a concept of a chinta beta beta tattva and our sampradaya follows a a specific commentary on the brahma sutras or the vedanta sutra the essence of the vedas um, which was presented by baladev vidyabhushan of course we're gaudiya vaishnavs and the truth of the matter is Although we, out of necessity, as Vaishnavs, requested Baladev to present a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, which is basically an explanation of the essence of the Vedas, although this was requested of him by the Vaishnavs of his day, they didn't really see the necessity, but they followed the followed the cultural norms of the day. And the cultural norms of the day is if you had a spiritual lineage, if you wanted to present yourself within the field of transcendentalists, then you needed to have a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. So whether you be in the Vishnu Sampradaya, the Sri Sampradaya, these different sampradayas, they all had a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. So we asked, as Vaishnavs, we're getting to that point. We have a natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. That's called Srimad Bhagavatam. But we also had to, in order to establish our lineage, follow the cultural norm 
and Baladev Vijabhushan came up with the Govinda Bhashya, which is the Brahma Sampradaya's commentary on Vedanta Sutra, to be there with, of course, Ramanujas, and even the non-Vaishnav Sampradaya of Sankaracharya has his commentary, his Bhashya, on Vedanta Sutra. How did we get there? Uh, all right, so we were talking about the fact that the commentator presented these poor Vipakshas so we could more comprehensively appreciate what Jiva Goswami is doing here in giving us a definition of what we are. So we begin by what we aren't. So we've we've got that. We're not a god. We're not any we're not any body that we may you know have here. Uh, we're actually distinct from the body, mind, and senses. We're not inert, and we're not mutable. There's nothing nothing can can interfere with our existence. We're eternal. We're not going to be cut to pieces. Krishna gives a, a, some, you know, a very simple explanation of a lot of these points. And Jiva, of course, is unpacking these simple points of philosophy. For the soul, there's never birth nor death, nor having once been. Does he ever cease to be? He's unborn, eternal, ever existing, undying. He's not slain when the body is slain. Krishna's speaking like this to Arjuna. Simple. You're, you're eternal, so don't worry about the fact that the task at hand is daunting and you're going to have to take other people's lives. You're not nonviolent in this particular circumstance. You're a Kshatriya, you're in a circumstance, and sometimes, well, sometimes you, you have to pick up the sword because all diplomacy fails and the people that are against basic religiosity within the world of, and within human society will not will persist with their with their culture unless you slay them so now we're at this fifth characteristic of these 21 characteristic that jiva goswami is going to present that the the jiva is not Mere consciousness. So the 23rd Anucheta. The jiva has potencies in, a in addition to knowledge or gyan. So we talked about the gyan of the jiva in the last discussion, actually the last two discussions. It's a deep subject. Well, we learned that knowledge is more than just not what is actually not. What do we talk about with when we say knowledge? So that, that was really unpacked. So now Jiva continues. <clears throat> In the Bhagavatam, the Shruti speak of other potencies, Shaktis, belonging to the Jiva. So we have other potencies. This is from the 10th Canto, the very end of the 10th Canto, Prayers of the Personified Vedas. Yet the jiva, due to the influence of maya, embraces ignorance 
and delighting in her qualities, adopts a suitable form to enjoy them. He thereby suffers death, all his good fortune being lost. For an explanation, Jiva Goswami um, quotes Sridhar Swami, the great commentary, commentator on Srimad Bhagavatam. He continues with the Anucheta. Sridhar Swami commenta- comments, Yet the Jiva, because of embracing ignorance, due to the influence of the unborn Maya, delights in the gunas, or in other words, in the body and senses, which are products of the gunas, meaning that it identifies with them. Subsequently, it adopts a suitable form, indicating that it indicating that it takes on their nature and characteristics. Thus, its good fortune is lost, a petabhaga, which means that its intrinsic qualities, such as bliss, ananda, are obscured, and it suffers death, signifying that is it is subjected to the cycle of birth and death. So remember, what Jiva's doing here, what he's conveying to us, is first of all, that unique characteristic of the of our self which is we are part of the supreme lord an infinitesimal part as we go forward in these following sections this is going to be unpacked a little bit for us but the place we are right now what jeeva is doing is he's He's opened our consciousness to the awareness of being in the in the in in the external energy, influenced by the modes of material nature, our full potentiality is not realized. But don't be mistaken and think that that potentiality is not part of your inherent capacity. And that's what we discussed last class. It was a deep discussion. What was Jiva saying? Although the characteristic of being covered over by the external energy is a naughty, you can't find a beginning. It's beginningless. The Jiva's always been in a condition of not manifesting its full potentiality as far as its spiritual nature. So then the the natural question would be, well, then it, does it really, do we really have that quality? Is it really part of our nature to, to have the ability to have full self-awareness and in the instance, in, the, in, in simple language that we all understand, can we really realize that we're sat, chit, and ananda? Because we've never had full experience of that aspect of our being because we've always been tatasta, 
we've always been within the Lord's, under the influence of his external energy. So where's our bliss? Because it would, one would naturally say, well, if you've never experienced it, then you really, where's the potentiality for it? So these specific verses that Jiva is gradually walking us through are, are going to give more support and understanding from the based on Bhagavatam, the evidence of the Bhagavatam, as to this nature of our true being. And then, then that awareness of the potentiality that we have but have never fully utilized, can we could start utilizing it to realize our spiritual nature. Yet the jiva, because of embracing ignorance, because we embrace ignorance, we've never been able, is, is, is what we delight in the gunas. We find our pleasure elsewhere. Uh, we identify with them. And we accept different forms to exploit the material aspect of the Lord's energy and thus not experience our true spiritual nature. Thus, its good fortune is lost. Apeta Bhaga, which means that its intrinsic qualities, such as bliss, ananda, are obscures, and it suffers, suffers death. So that's, that's our existence. We live in the world of death. There's no other way to put it. Everything's going to come to an end. Unless and until we can fully utilize the potentiality that allows for our realization of the self. So some commentary here. Gyan, knowledge, or the capacity to know, is not the only inherent potency of the jiva. It also has experiential capacity, which further implies agency. Shujiva Goswami cites the Shruti's prayers from the Bhagavatam to make these potencies apparent. It is precisely because the jiva has these capacities in its very nature that it can become identified with the empirical body-mind becoming outward-oriented toward enjoyment of the world. Since empirical identification is the common experience of humanity, it stands to reason that the jiva cannot be mere consciousness alone. If such were the case, then the jiva being utterly transcendent transcendent of all phenomena and being devoid of the powers of cognition, experiential capacity and agency would have no facilities whatsoever by which to become identified with phenomena or even to experience the empirical world at all. A lot of words there. What's, what's, what's actually being said? Well, what it, what, it's simple. If we did not have some shakti, some 
capacity ourselves, how could this identification, well, I'm sorry, misidentification with matter be effectuated? If we're simply just awareness, awareness, we only have knowledge, we can only perceive, but what this verse is telling us, not only do we have the capacity to know, but we have agency. This is an important aspect. And as we discussed, extremely significant when it comes to the theism, which is Vaishnavism, of acceptance of a supreme personality. Without agency, if we're just a particle of spirit without independent experiential, if we can't experience other than being part of the Supreme Spirit, we have that ability to experience and we also have the ability of agency. It's important to all Vaishnavs you have to have, there has to be that capacity of not only experiencing, but being able to do something about what you experience. And what do we want to do? Well, we want to, we want to have an emotional experience with the Supreme. If all we, so, these are just fine points of philosophy whereby we can understand what we are. And in understanding what we truly are properly with the proper conceptual orientation, then we can proceed on the path of bhakti. If we don't know fully what we are and what our capacities are as a jiva, then we well, first of all, we can misconceptions can overtake our consciousness. Now, what do we call these misconceptions? They're anarthas. They're they're putting value where there's no value. Like the misconception that the the ultimate realization is that you yourself are Brahman. And in the ultimate issue, there is no distinctiveness between your existence and the existence of the whole of spirit or the whole of, of, of Brahman. There are transcendentalists that feel this way. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yash janamadvayam. Brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti subjate. Jnana advayam is that non-dual knowledge of spiritual spirituality. Different transcendentalists have different viewpoints regarding that. And some of them are Brahmeti. We're all just spirit. We're all this, it's all one supreme thing. Extract yourself from the illusion of the material energy, which is created by ignorance, and you will realize you are God. 
well, yeah, you are God. And you're not God. Our philosophy is a chinta beta beta tattva. Thank God we're not God because how can we love God and experience the love of God if we are God? So we have agency. We have a distinctive, a likeness and difference. These are the fine points that, that's, that are being brought out here. So the jiva has capacity, agency, in addition to just knowledge. In the quoted verse, the Shruti say that the jiva is the, in the conditioned state is a peta bhaga. It has lost its good fortune or opulence, which implies that the jiva's other inherent shaktis, such as bliss and agency, are also concealed. Well, it's not really lost, is it? It's a capacity that we have that we not yet fully utilizing. Utilization comes when we attain knowledge and good association of how to utilize our full potential. And what is that utilization? The utilization is a complete turning of consciousness from the Lord's external energy to his internal shakti, to his very self, to his personality. According to Sridhar Swami, this means that the natural bliss, ananda, of the jiva has been obscured because of its association with maya. As it, is, as it was argued in the, in the previous commentary, the loss or covering of gyan, knowledge, indicates that the jiva is intrinsically endowed with the capacity for self-awareness, even though the capacity remains unactualized while steeped in beginningless ignorance. So the proper understanding is not that it's something that you didn't have, it's something that you have but haven't fully utilized yet. And it's a naughty. And that's what makes it so unique. And that's where the Lord's achinta, inconceivable potency comes in. That's called revelation. Those things are revealed unless we aspire in our spiritual practice to actually experience the Supreme in everything that He is, do we just want to be great moralists? Is that the whole objective? Follow Dharma? Be, be the best man that you can be or the best woman you could be? To be the best member of society? To do everything perfectly? That's not our philosophy, although it's good. And certainly the devotee is the best of everything. When we experience the sadhu, we see all these, all these qualities are manifest in 
their full potentiality in their character, but it's just like everything else. The sadhu has at his disposal everything within the material universe, and that includes the best of everything. Krishna says, if my devotee wants to go to heaven, okay. If he wants opulence, whatever my devotee wants, I give him. If it's in relationship to the material energy, I give it to him in what way? In a way that it won't distract him in the future from spiritual advancement. But I give. In fact, please take. That's the problem Krishna has with his devotees. He says, I'm here, and guess what? I'm God, and guess what I can do? Whatever I want. And what's that mean for you? Whatever you want, I'll give you. So, what can I give you? And his devotees say, I don't want anything. <laughs> Krishna's there, oh, no, well, now what can I do? All right, I won't get off on that because then we get into Lord Chaitanya and the ex ex existential crisis of Krishna actually not being able to do that. So he can do it, but then there's sometimes he can't do it. Oh my gosh. Now, well, now what's God confronted with? He can do whatever a devotee wants, but he can't do whatever some specific devotees want in every circumstance. Yeah, what do you mean? I'll leave that for another discussion. I want to go on here. You've heard enough of Swami's classes. <laughs> Let's play, make it simple for you. Krishna cannot repay the gopi's love in kind. This is a problem. Their love is so over the top, he can't repay that kind of selflessness. The obscurance of its inherent potency implies that the jiva <coughs> is intrinsically endowed with other capacities, such as the experiential capacity for bliss. Although such innate capacities remain unpotentiated, at present. This view stands in contrast to Advaitavad, which denies the existence of inherent of any inherent quality or potencies in the Atma. We're still on the same I subject here, the same the Jiva is not consciousness alone. Jiva Goswami provides more evidence in the 24th Anacheda. The jiva's potency is intrinsic. It's part of his nature. Furthermore, Haryasvas said, this is from the 6th canto, uh, Haryasvas were the sons of Daksha, and they had a a duty to perform in relationship to the manifestation of the material population. They were progenitors. They had to give offspring. There was a little bit of a difficulty in that. 
Daksha instructed them, you go off and properly situate yourself, and then I want you to populate the world. Yeah, but they made a, met a sage along the way. His name was Narada Muni, and there was, I think, a thousand of them. And Narada made them all devotees, and they had no desire to populate the world. They just wanted to worship Krishna. <laughs> so Daksha had another thousand sons, and Narada did it again. <laughs> now Daksha's like, you know, I have a job here to do. I mean, come on, Narda. I understand you're a great devotee, but I'm also a devotee and I've been asked to populate the world. Now you've taken this group of sons and this group of sons. You have to let let me do my service too. I have to I have to populate the world with my progeny. And they need to go off and they need to, uh, you know, uh, go forth and multiply. <laughs> Otherwise, the world will be empty. <laughs> All right, so they have something to say here also in the sixth canto, which is relevant to the point that Jiva's making. They say, What is to be gained in this world through the unmaturious deeds of a man who is unaware that he has fallen from his glory? through association with her, Maya, and continuously follows her movements like the husband of an unchaste woman. I was thinking when I read this, it's, it's the nature of Scripture, isn't it? That the woman, as presented within Scripture, is all, always the eluding factor of the Lord's potency. Now, we should look at it that way in a, in a, it's not meant to be in a derogatory na nature, the way it's put forth in scriptures. It's just the nature of there is Purusha and there is Prakriti. And the female form is the Prakriti. But as far as our true, if we're not, a god and not a human and not any other species of life we're not a man and we're not a woman so we, we have to keep that in mind and understand more what this what the undercurrent of what's being put forth in scripture is and this runs pretty constant through various religious traditions or spiritual traditions these kind of statements. Jiva Goswami explains what the <clears throat> Haryasvas, he unpacks it a little. He says in the commentary, Maya is like an adulterous wife who, in whose association the living entity has lost its glory. Think about our relationship with the Lord's external energy. And this statement has some significance, whether it be an adulterous wife or an adulterous husband. You think they ha you have their full attention in a relationship. You think, Maya, Maya's here for me. And no sooner do you think 
Yes, look at the way I'm being served by the world around me. And not, no sooner you start thinking that way, and the other quarterback throws the final touchdown, and you lose. Oh, wait a minute. I was on my knee before the... This is a big thing in take, playing football now. But I was on my knee before the game praying to you and thinking that you, as my Lord, were going to let me come out victorious. And all of a sudden, here at the end of the game, you award the other quarterback. So it's like an adulterous wife or an adulterous husband. You think you have their full attention, and then Maya turns around and all of a sudden... You thought you were going to win and you lose. You thought you were going to have the best computer and all of a sudden along your, your Steve Jobs, I'm going to make the best machine and along comes Billy Gates and he makes a machine and he sells so many more than you. Only to find 15 years later that actually my corporation is now, although I'm dead and gone, worth a trillion dollars. You see what I'm saying? Maya, as soon as we think she, we have her attention, she becomes adulterous. And she puts her, she, she awards someone else. Maya is like an adulterous wife in whose association the living entity has lost its glory. We think we got the glory, but no. Aishvarya. Namely, some portion of its capacities, such as its own innate awareness. The word samsaratna here means the one who continuously follows her movements. This refers to the jiva, or in other words, the living entity in its own essential nature. So the jiva, it is implied is the implied object of the relation expressed by the word Abhudasya of he who is unaware which is found in the second part of the verse and in which the word samsarata is syntactically, syntactically connected. All right, a little explanation here. It seems needed. This verse in this section is spoken by the Haryasvas, the sons of Daksha, who perform penances to beget children as ordered by their father. From this verse it is clear that some portion of the jiva's innate power is lost as long as it remains subdued by Maya. For such power to be lost means that it must be priorly existent as an unmanifested inherent potential. That's the one point Jiva's pulling out of this verse from the Bhagavatam. It's lost to you. Well, that means you have it. You may not know you have it, but you do have it. So, not utilizing it, it's lost to you. There had to be a prior ownership of that inherent capacity. 
One cannot lose something without possessing it in the first place. Again, it has to be borne in mind that this loss is in actuality the beginningless non-potentiation of such capacity. Thus, all it implies is that the jiva has such potential within its nature. We'll finish here. Though the word samsarata in the verse carries the additional sense of transmigrating through the very species, birth after birth, it should be read here as syntactically connected with the word abudasya. The jiva is unaware of both its true identity and true capacities as an internal, eternal spiritual being. And at the same time is unaware that it is bound by material nature. Following its desires like a hapless man besotted, is that right? Besotted by a beautiful but fickle wife. Maya is often likened to an enticing woman who holds a man under her thrall simply because such attraction is the most powerful force by which the conditioned self is bound by the material energy. A variant of the same example is given in Anacheda 25, which we will go to in the next class. So it's interesting. We have such spiritual capacity within ourself. We, and this is going to come out as we go for, forward in these next few Anachetas, we're robbed of that. We're robbed of that because we associate and take on the modes of material nature and various bodies and transmigrate from one body to another. And in doing so, we're not utilizing our full spiritual potentiality, which is there for one thing. And for the second thing, because we're associating so much with the body which we inhabit within the material nature, we think we're a man, a woman, rich, poor, black, white, yeah, we just, so many things we think we are, we also, our other capacities are covered over. But it doesn't mean that they don't exist. And these are the fine points that Jiva Goswami's bringing out here. So I'll stop there for this evening. Do we have any questions, comments? Um, so is it accurate to say that there's really no um, other Vaishnav Sampradaya that describes the jiva in this way and therefore, and, and there's a direct correspondence to the goal. In other words, the potentials that, that Jiva Goswami is describing are fully realized in the Leela um, when a jiva becomes... In, in, Right, the, the capacities that he's going to point out play to the point that the jiva has a capacity and some independence. Yeah, all those things play in. That is, when we look at any spiritual tradition, we look to Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. And those things tie closely together. The Sambandha, the, the 
understanding the interrelationship, and that's what we're learning here, uh, where Jiva's bringing out, well, what, what, are, what are we and what is God and what's, you know. So he's, I mean, he's really milking the Bhagavatam for everything. And yes, Sambandha and Abhideya, the practice is also built a, around an objective, and that objective is the Pryojan, the ultimate uh, attainment. So whatever Sampradaya may be there, you're correct that the the, the Sambandha Gyan plays into the Abhideya and the ultimate Pryojan. So those three things together truly make up and constitute what we call a sampradaya. And this, the ultimate objective of every sampradaya, of course, a Vaishnava sampradaya, in our tradition, when we say sampradaya, a Vaishnava sampradaya wants to be with God and serve God. And any spiritual discipline or t- tradition that has that, we consider Vaishnava. But not all have the same conceptual orientation that will lead to the same revelation according to their desire. We, as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, as Guru Maharaj has pointed out, we see within our tradition of following of followers of Sri Chaitanya two windows of opportunity at this point in time being available. But there's also the other the other tradition, the other sampradayas, Balabacharya, if you have some vatsalya, you want to be in a relationship with the Lord as parents, then that's that's also there. And they'll have a slightly different Yeah, and there's followers of, of Ram, right. you know, and then Mariada. They have no, cons- they, they, they may be able to appreciate the Leela of Krishna, but their objective you know, or the the Sri Sampradaya. You know, they can appreciate Krishna and all his Leela, but they they want to be with Lakshmi Narayan. So they're appreciating the Leela, but when it takes when it comes to discussion of of Narayan, oh well that's my God. They don't consider it a place where you can go or a goal. They, or if it is may they may consider it a goal, but they don't consider it a goal that they want to attain. Because there's not the Ashwarya that they think is requisite to a relationship with God. They think those, the Gaudias are people that want to f- have a relationship with the Supreme where you forget he's God. Well, then what kind, of a, what kind of a relationship with God is that if you don't know he's God? Well, we know there's some specialty to, to being with God and not recognize him as God because the intimacy is so astounding and uh, our our teachers are saying you know there's something really here if you can give up this asvarya uh, look and then look to the 10th canto and look at the way these people relate with god but they're taking a stick and wanting to uh, chastise him for uh, for breaking the butter pot well that's something very unique so there, there are some similarities though in, in conception of Sambandha, some similar like for here here he's he's quoting from Ramanuja's yeah. Sampradaya. This 
these these five these qualities that we're deline he's delineating here. Right, or from a following of actually from a follower of Ramanuja. Muni, yes. That's an interesting point, yeah. So there's there's a lot of, of similarities, yes. Anything else? Thank you so much for your association.